Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And on this week's episode, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. That's right, we are watching Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban from 2004, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh... New year, new director, new Dumbledore this time around, John. Lots of new stuff. Uh, lots of new stuff happening. Uh, what uh, what are what are your initial thoughts? I know that we said back in uh, the first episode that we did on Sorcerer's Stone that this was... I, 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 did we both say this was our favorites? I know this yeah. is probably my favorite Harry Potter film. You know, we did, and and that's just part of the whole process here. I'm curious to see going through watching all the movies again, just with the, you know, one week space in between them, capturing the entire timeline to see if this in fact still holds up in the way that I think it does or will. I don't know. It's been a little while and my instincts have been right so far on the first two movies and we'll, we'll see if it continues that streak. But yeah, as far as my, my overall memory goes, this is definitely, um, if not the absolute top right near the top. But yeah, I would say that it would definitely, at the moment I, at the moment that we're recording now, I still would consider it mentally as my favorite. Yeah. I I'd say that's, that's pretty much true for me as well. What are you most looking forward to with this movie? I mean, again, there's the entire process that has been really cool this time that I'm eager to move forward. I just want to continue the, the introduction of the characters that really matter throughout the series, having, you know, the development of the younger characters as they start to get that inkling of coming into their own instead of being random kids who just happen to fall into the right place at the wrong time or right place at the right time or whatever, like that they become more autonomous and, and develop. And then to, to see uh, Sirius Black uh, come in, in, and of course, like we keep saying over and over again, Gary Oldman just being awesome in the role, just like so many other actors are great in their roles in this. And so um, the introduction of the Dementors, I think they did a surprisingly good job of trying to convey something that I couldn't really quite imagine how they would get that you know, onto film. Like in the books, it was a very tangible thing, very scary disgusting weird cold thing that like i developed in my own head and, and so yeah i don't know i'm just uh excited to jump back in yeah i think uh i, I think gary oldman i mean gary oldman's amazing in everything that he does so uh, that he's probably the number one thing that i'm looking forward to as far as entries into the series uh but the you know the other even the other adult characters uh with Lupin and Peter Pettigrew and you know the the new uh the new actor playing uh Professor Dumbledore like that all to me I think is is <laughs> there's lots to look forward to there I think 
I remember this visually being, you know, what one of my favorite films, uh, like especially the way that they kind of played with, they played with CGI in a cartoony way, but they made it work with the bus. Hmm. Uh, like they, the way that it stretched and, and, and compressed and things like that. Like I thought that that was a lot of fun. I'm finding um, so far, uh, and I, I guess this isn't that weird, but like I've not gotten a lot of joy out of the, like mundane things made slightly magical, like the car chase scenes with the car, but it can fly. I don't know if I'm going to have the same reaction to a bus, but it's a bus that can squeeze or, you know, into small spaces. And like, I, I don't know, like if, if it's going to, you know, annoy me or if it'll just be perfectly fine. We'll see. I'm feeling a little bit persnickety. You never know what could happen. <laughs> to be fair, the bus doesn't make a lot of repeat appearances like the car did. So True. I think that that it has that much going forward at the very least. Uh, also, you were talking about with the kids and how they're sort of coming to their own and becoming these autonomous, like individual people. I, I think that we're also going to see a lot. If I remember correctly, we're going to see a lot in regard to like their, their individual prowesses as witches and wizards start to come to light and really like they, they start developing those sides of themselves as well. So I, I think that we have that to look forward to. Yeah. And, and as we have been doing uh, with each installment and we'll continue to do so, we'll be doing some of our world famous dream recasting uh, yes. as well as, you know, looking at a, a, a quiz or two to help us to understand our, our inner Hogwarts uh, beings just that much better. So I think the best thing we can do now is, oh, wait, I can't advise people to go watch this on HBO because in the middle of Ooh, us recording this session, yeah. it's no longer appearing on that streaming service. Um, but I definitely think uh, we can find ways to watch this movie otherwise. Yeah, and you'll find it on all the usual suspects, the the streaming rental services, or if you have it in your own library, you can watch it there. Or if you get it through other means, I won't tell, I promise. Uh, but yeah, it's leaving HBO to go to Peacock, but it won't hit Peacock until like October. So you've got that much time in between uh, to, to try and figure out where to find it. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to go watch this from our personal libraries. By the way, uh, before we break here, I just want to let everyone know, stick around until the end of the episode. We will probably have a, a special announcement to make at the end as we're closing out the show. So make sure you stick around. Or maybe we'll do it in the middle. That way you have to like really dig around to, to find. You can't just skip all the way to the end to find out what this announcement is. Well, I hope but... it's a special announcement that's actually worth, you know, hanging on and listening to because you've really set it up now and if it is just some announcement to say guess what everyone i love my dogs like that's not going to be a very good announcement i hope it's something like maybe some sort of magical giveaway or something there's there's only one way to find out hmm. and that's to stick around until i say the words well now i just want to the... announce what it is so let's go watch the movie yeah we got to get that out of the way so we can get to the cool stuff <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go do that and when we come back we are talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban John are you ready? Yes Let's do it My teacher is a werewolf He's liable to bite someone in class That would be so bad 
been locked inside the shrieking shack. But he's the best dark arts teacher we've had. My teacher is a werewolf. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, boy, we have so much to talk about with this episode. I mean, all of these were long books and all of these movies were long with, of course, the last one being split into two pieces. And so none of them are long enough to get everything in there. But the fact that they're heavy and long is also it's weird that it's not I don't get that feeling that it's too long, like they dragged it on for no reason. It's like, if anything, it almost like is missing out on parts. But uh, but yeah, we we watched Prisoner of Azkaban, the movie we both listed as our our favorite movie. And I mean. So overall, before we even get into all these little things, like what did you think? Did, is it? I mean, of the three that we watched so far, still totally my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, this movie, and and maybe it has to do with changing directors and and kind of going in different directions in that sense. But this movie takes on a much more dark persona. It takes on. Mm-hmm. A, a there's a bit more maturity like I had talked about um it 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 feels more like a family movie than a kids movie because uh, the first two you you, you kind of get caught in this trap of oh yeah you know it's kid stuff and jelly beans and chocolate <laughs> frogs and shit like that uh this one we start to get a, a little more personality and a little more depth of character from a lot of different angles. And it's. Yeah. It, it's revisiting this so soon after the last two movies moving along. I mean, I, I still loved it. I thought it was great. There are things that I'm a little annoyed with that I realize are there for purpose of the story. And I'm supposed to be annoyed. Like, why is he with the Dursleys again? I know why. And <laughs> both from a, you know, Potterverse, you know, why he has to be there for protection's sake, why, but then also from the narrative of demonstrating how great would it be if he actually got to go live with Sirius and not have to go back to the Dursleys, and then that's taken away from him. And it's like, it's so heartbreaking. Like, yeah. And so it's like, I get why we have to revisit the Dursleys again. I know that. I just, ugh, I hate it. And and yeah, the the bus scene, whatever. <laughs> I, I think my least favorite thing in all of the three movies so far is their need to like cram in some like car vehicle chase scene stuff. It's like, so whatever. Uh, except it's not a muggle vehicle. They're like muggle vehicles with magic twists. But the, on, the, on the other side, there were actually a scene or two that I remember being a little annoyed with in the past and wishing were different, but watching this time had a different appreciation and even maybe liked a little bit more than I remembered. So such as, so yeah, it's, it's all over the place. So, I mean, I could jump right in, but it takes us a little, you know, a little further into the movie. You want me to jump That's in fine. about we, two we, hours? We, we go, we go all over the place in this show. So, yeah, well to do so requires us to talk a little bit about is expecto patronum. Ah, yes. Now, um, as as we see Harry gets taught to use the spell and, and all these things. And, you know, at first it's like, oh, okay, he's using, you know, creating a flash of light and scaring away the Dementors, kind of like Lupin did. Okay. And then we have the scene where he's trying to protect Sirius at the water's edge. And he's rescued by what he believes is his dad. And we see the form of the stag on the other side of the lake. And then this burst of light. 
um, and then blah 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 da, 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 time travel um, mm-hmm. later on it's Harry on the other side who is expect a Patrona and it, it's just like a big pulsing ball of light that like shines out and stuff like that um, and I remember like a long time ago watching it and just feeling like well that sucks like it's a big deal that he was able to conjure an actual formed uh, Patronus at such a young age they make a big deal about you know how incredibly powerful you'd have to be as a wizard to actually not just conjure up a little ball of light but but something tangible that takes its own form as a as a guide or as an animal and I, I thought why did they leave that out at the end why did they make it just this ambiguous ball of light and now watching it this time I feel like we're really we're getting different perspectives on what happened because we're, we're seeing it through Harry's eyes different times. And, and so this time when he, when he doesn't know what's going on, when he has no clue what, what to do or what's happening. And this stag, you know, races across the water uh, to save them with the burst of expecto light. Um, like, I love the fact that, you know, he, he thought it was his dad and later, not in this movie necessarily, but we know that, you know, the stag is the form that his dad would take when transforming into Animagus. Uh, and so without knowing that himself, even though maybe he just intrinsically knew it or some magical genetic connection, like that made him think it was his dad. Like, I, I love that now. And then when Harry is casting it from the other side, via time travel hijinks, like he maybe has no idea or clue of what's going on. And the fact that he even can conjure a creature and he's expecting to just be light and this thing is so intense that maybe his eyes just it's dark out big flash of light so just to him he doesn't see the shape and so we're kind of seeing it through his eyes and experience so when i think of it that way it didn't really annoy me like it it did in the past so hooray oh yeah that's great i i think that uh I, I don't know that I, I ever really gave that particular scene or, or sequence that much thought in terms of whether or not it would annoy me or anything like that. But he yells so loud. He does yell very loud. That yes. part is annoying because children yelling is Children annoying. yelling is the worst. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think that getting it from two different perspectives, even though it's the same character, they're not really technically the same character because you're looking at them in two different points in time and so well, it's the same point in time well right sorry no, same, same point in their time <laughs> uh you know even though it's hours apart like it's still there yeah. it's almost like two separate characters he has an entirely new different set of ex- experiences to go along with and i i think that probably part of why probably part of why we don't see the patronus the stack patronus from the 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 Harry and Hermione uh, side of the pond is because you have that real kind of intense scene for Harry where he's like, yeah, my dad's going to come. My dad's going to be here. My dad's coming. I'm telling you, my dad's going to come and he's going to save me and Sirius and he's going to be right there. And he has that realization and he goes into a panic and he's like, fuck, I this, no, it's me. I got to do it. And he just does it. And so there's never really that moment of, oh, hey, by the way, I'm doing a stag, too, and it's pretty sick. 
It's just like, nope, time to stop the Dementors or my fucking Godfather is going to die. And so am I. Yeah, it's it's in the Harry Potter world. I think I give them a pass on the whole time travel paradox issue because it's a magical world. There's things I don't quite, you know, I don't have all the rules. I can't spell it all out. But I have to admit, like every other movie we've reviewed that has time travel as part of the story, that this did feel a bit more, I don't know, MacGuffin-y than some of the others where it's like, and I know it's a little more detailed in the books and it feels a little more flow where like here, it's just like, uh, again, it's the paradox that gets to me sometimes that whole, like, well, how did this happen to them the first time? If you know, at what cycle did they first go with, you know, like all these different Mm -hmm. questions of, you know, how did they get hit with the rock? Oh, we didn't know it alleviates. We didn't throw the rock. Oh, but we got to throw the rock because I remember getting hit with the rock. That's why I'm going to do it. And it's like those kinds of things. Uh, yeah, I can't get too deep into those. Otherwise I might start not liking aspects of things, um, but I can gloss over it. Appreciate it as just being magic. Um, and then I'm cool with it. Now you talked about, uh, Lupin, you know, teaching Harry how to, uh, how to do the Patronus charm and all how that. How to Patron. How to Patron his us as it were. Uh, the relationship between Harry and Lupin, I feel like s- seems genuine. Like yeah. there's, there's a great chemistry between, I don't know if it's just between Harry and Lupin or if it's between Daniel Radcliffe and David Twellis. AKA uh, Ares, the God of war from wonder woman. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even put that together. Uh, but I don't know if it's, the chemistry between the characters or the chemistry chemistry between the actors or both. Yeah. But the, the interactions that you have, it's, it's a very parental sort of interaction and it, it, it feels right in the scenes that they're in together. Yeah. I love it. it. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderful. And, uh, and then seeing, uh, Lupin and Sirius Black together for the first time, and 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 seeing that friendship, you know, so many years apart, like seeing them embrace and all that stuff was very cool as well. But I, I love, I love how well I really appreciated how well they do the ups and downs, the roller coasters of who who's good and who's bad, and yes. like and like just that chemistry of when they connect, and at first it's like, aha, I've caught you, and then it's like, cut over here, you big lug. And then they're very clearly, you know, talking about Scabbers, uh, but we don't, well, not Scabbers, you know, um, what's his face? Oh, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, but we either do or don't know that, but obviously Harry and them don't know that. And so, but they sell it like it's just so great where they're both frantic, they're both in these crazy places and coming to conclusions and they those characters themselves have just realized things didn't go down that the way they thought it was and oh now it all makes sense and like then they're they're filled with rage but you know and it and harry and you know ron and them they they think it's directed at them and and so it's like and then you have harry and his emotional swings (laughs) because teenagers um you know and so (laughs) but like his response like you're gonna get mad at me you're gonna threaten me no i'm gonna threaten you i'm gonna kill you you know like and that back and forth all that energy like yeah like i love all that goes on like there are good moments throughout the movie but just harry lupin and sirius 
on their own and how they interact and play off each other. It's just the emotional core of this movie. And it just was great. I really loved it. Uh, and a testament to Dana Radcliffe too. Cause like th- this is one of his earliest films. Like, yeah, I don't think it was in any features before the, the Harry Potter series. No, so wasn't. like he, it, it, testament to him, he's out here killing it with the likes of Gary Oldman. Like it's right. That's not easy <laughs> to do. So the fact that he's, you know, out there doing it is just just outstanding. I feel I feel like now we have to do our quick review of Harry, Ron and Hermione and our annoying factor uh, on, on these three characters. <laughs> uh, so I think for me, there's probably not much change from uh, Chamber of Secrets. I, I feel like I, I feel like any annoyance that I might have from Hermione is uh immediately rectified by the time turner and like her use of it and and, and mastery of it yeah uh ron's still kind of an idiot but not he hasn't gone you know full ron yet and harry <laughs> i think uh is he, he hasn't quite reached uh emo harry yet so right. i'm gonna say he's he's right about the same as where i left off last uh last episode yeah, I'd say similar for myself, Harry's ramping into that emo period. And, and even though some of it's not really his fault, he's, you know, he's really encountering a lot of information and dealing with a lot of things that, you know, it's got to be difficult. But his annoying lever does ratchet up fairly soon. Um, at the moment, I still keep him low and Hermione pretty low. And Ron's actually gotten better than the last. It's like, I think Rupert uh, himself had maybe some acting lessons or something. And someone said, oh, oh, by the way, you know what? It's okay if you don't make a crazy face and go every time something (laughs) happens. And then he was like, oh, oh, I get it. Acting doesn't have to be just making crazy faces and making noises. And like, and then Jim Carrey's like, yeah, whatever. And then Rupert's like, yeah, okay. Um, But no, so I'd say instead of being way up at a six or wherever I had him last time, I'm going to crank him down and keep him. Just a, a bit more annoying than Ron and Hermione, but um, but yeah. So the this is a, a nice little little lull in the action where none of them really drive me nuts, and that's a pleasant uh, change. Yes, yes, because it will happen. Uh, yeah. Strap yourselves in, kids, because that ride gets bumpy. Uh, speaking of Ron and Hermione, mm. um. We get to see sort of the the early, uh, early I guess testing of the waters of their their little budding teenage romance. That obviously, if you've well, spoilers everybody if you haven't read the books or watched all the movies, uh, they they end up together forever, uh, or forever ish. <clears throat> um, Banging we get to see left and right. God damn it. Uh, stop! Stop having kids. I mean, uh, those kids are just going to grow up and repeat patterns and have adventures. You never know. Um, you know, I, I have a confession to make, Anthony. Okay. I I always felt, at least in the films, that like Daniel and Emma had way better chemistry than Emma and Rupert. And so, even though you know Hermione and Harry are like you know just good friends, and it was never meant for them to to necessarily be a couple like i feel like 
they don't do a good job in, in several of these movies because it almost feels like they're supposed to be the couple that's together, at least from my perspective. And then it just doesn't happen. And, and then they just have to settle. No, I can get behind that. I, <laughs> I, I think that the books do a, a, a much better job of that than the movies do. And I think that you have, you have kind of a hard road ahead of you when you're making a movie series like this, where it's centered primarily on one person yeah. But then having the romantic interest be with someone else. Yeah, or having the romantic interest be like that, you know, nine-year-old girl <laughs> that is just shocked to look at you or, you know, whatever. So it's like... Right, yeah, there's that too. Like You could drop hints, but you can't really build chemistry when they're this young. <laughs> it's just too, right. too extra weird. No, yeah, that's like uh, uh, Star Wars Episode One. Oh, yeah. Let's not remember that at all. No, let's not. Let's put it so, out of our minds. I think that we have to like jump to something extreme to get that out of our head. Um, I want you to flip an imaginary coin in your head and tell me if it's head or tails. Tails. Tails means that we are going to enter into a special segment of our show where we share with you, our listeners, what our Patronuses are. Ooh! Would you like to go first, John? You know, I would... Okay. Um, because I'm still I'm still puzzling out like uh, on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter you can go in and do this fun cool little quiz to learn what your Patronus is and it, it's it seems rather ephemeral and like not like what do you prefer math or English it's not like you know what do you like cars or jelly beans it's just like actually those could be questions but <laughs> it when figuring it all out it's supposed to you know you're you're oh, familiar it's like rough or smooth love or trust or hate like yeah and like when you get all done your patronus is supposed to be some sort of animal that has some sort of connection to you in terms of your personality and it's not about power because i know in the harry potter lore there's one particular wizard that had just like this tiny little mouse as his patronus but it was one of the strongest you know uh Patronus is conjured. So it wasn't like the size of the creature means you're bigger or better. But my Patronus was a shark. Ooh, I like that. I mean, I like sharks. I don't have a problem with a shark. But like, a shark to me, and maybe these are just the misgivings of, you know, what sharks really are and they get bad press because of, you know, jaws. Thank you very much. Uh, rewind a bit back to episode one to see what we think of that. Um, but no, don't like, do that. The audio quality is terrible in episode one, folks. Don't do that. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's that whole like super like aggressive, attacking, sharp and mean and rough, rawr. and it's like that's not me. <laughs> so it was just kind of this whole. Well, I, I was I was expecting like an an otter or a penguin or something kind of fun loving and weird and like, or even maybe something that could have been more cunning or something. But like a shark feels so straightforward. I don't know what to think about that. What What are your psychological analysis? Is 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 well, good news is I don't really have to have one because. Hmm. In addition to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Pottermore.com, there's also another, maybe not quite canonical site, mm. but uh, one that seems to be fairly popular uh, in terms of you know things that are 
Harry Potter and, and Wizarding World lore. And uh, MuggleNet.com oh, yeah, has MuggleNet. a, uh, a page dedicated to what your Patronus means. So in the case of your shark, John. Oh, says, boy. They are the most feared fish in the ocean and have diversified into over 500 species, two of which can also survive and be found in rivers. People who have this Patronus are known for excelling in business environments, being leaders, and sometimes Mm. being a bit intimidating. Also, Mm. they tend to have good skin and a great set of teeth. All of those sound like you. I am intimidating, I have to admit. So tell us about your Patronus. So my Patronus, uh, which was equally puzzling until I, well, I don't know that it, until I, but uh, (laughs) it was still puzzling. The Osprey. Oh, yeah. uh, the osprey is a fish-eating bird found across the world. These birds have incredible vision and can spot underwater prey from the air. They brave the depths of water, diving completely beneath the surface, unlike any other bird. And this courageousness makes them a powerful Patronus indeed. Yeah, I mean, I would have guessed osprey for you. Oh, well, Okay. I mean, pretty, you know, the, the way that I float above lakes and yeah. dive in for looking for fish and shit. Like, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I see Osprey pretty often when I go paddle boarding, so I guess there's that. I I have to admit that fish and chips are one of my favorite meals. That is true, too. And damned if I, I don't dive underwater for those potatoes, so. Speaking of diving underwater for potatoes, <laughs> I don't even know if it's legal for us to transition from one segment to another without, you know, fanfare and general discussion in between. But what, what do you say? Do we, do we dare? I, you know, I think we do. I think we dare. I think we've got to move right into our super duper dream casting, recasting exponentia. Oh, exponentia of course is a magical term that definitely exists. And dream casting is definitely a thing that I did do. I Dreamcast is still to this day one of my favorite video game systems. So there. So I had I had difficulties. I had difficulties here because, um, just so the listening public knows, uh, we we recast uh, Sybil Trelawney, Remus Lupin, Peter Pettigrew, and Sirius Black. And uh, for Trelawney, I did amazing, and I have the right pick. But for the other three, I thought I was doing well, and then I realized. Again, when you really think about it, when we're introduced to these characters, they should be about between like 30 to 33. They're like in their young 30s. And yes, Azkaban can age someone. Yes, being turned into rat can age you. And so like there is some leeway. But my first pick, I picked people who were all right around 50 or so. And then I was like, ah, oh, is that a bit too old? So then I went back, rethought it and picked a younger cast that was a bit skewed closer to you know young 30s or so oh but you can pick older actors who just happen to play young true it it is true so there's room to play maybe i'll share both but let's do trelawney first just because i feel like i've got the right answer uh someone who i think might be able to pull that role off uh is felicity jones hmm uh, listeners, if you're not sure Felicity Jones is, she, uh, you'd know her from, uh, Rogue One. She played, uh, Luke Skyblade. Yep. That 
it's not the one. Oh. Uh, but sure. You know that other uh, Jin Erso. She played yeah. Jin Erso, the main character, Jin Erso. Uh, so I, I like her for Trelawney. I, I think that she she could do the right facial expressions and and that kind of vacant look at times if she if she really tries for it. So yeah, like Emma Thompson was fun and she kind of over not overacted, but like because I'm sure Emma Thompson does exactly right. <laughs> you know, like she she. <laughs> She didn't. It wasn't her fault if if she shouldn't have acted the way she did because that's probably an acting direction and and the character in the books that you know you have to distinguish the fact that she is kind of out there and really not much of a divination uh, expert except for when she is you know except for when it's like <laughs> unconscious and absolute and really real um, and but like and so I used to think that but like I really like the way uh, Emma Thompson. Um, like you see little bits of things like when uh, it's played for gags, but when she goes to Neville and it's just like, is your mother well? And he's like, yeah. And he, or she's your like, grandmother. Yeah. Or grand- <laughs> yeah. And, and she shakes her head. She's like, nope. And he just has that look like, huh. <laughs> and you find out later all the stuff that's happened. Um, and, and so it's like, oh, interesting. So maybe she did know some things accidentally. Uh, at any rate, um, my pick, the correct pick, uh, for Trelawney uh, is Kristen Wiig. Yep, that is the correct pick. Yeah, I mean she can play serious very well. She's a great actress, but I mean, is there anybody funnier? Not, not a lot. Like she can really, I think, sink her teeth into a small role and have a lot of fun with it. And like, oh yeah, her her charisma alone would just make it hilarious. So yeah, absolutely. So now we got the trio. Yes. Uh, who do you want to start with? I, I think what I want to do is give you um, my young version of the three of them and then my old version because I like the old versions better. Okay. So I'll do, I'm going to do all three rapid fire and then you could give your three and then I'll do my old versions. How's that okay. sound? That works. Um, so here we go. I'm going to go first Peter Pettigrew. Uh, the younger version I have is Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> okay. Um, for Remus Lupin, I have Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh huh. And for Sirius Black, I have Oscar Isaac. Ah, yes, I like Oscar Isaac in that role. That's actually who I was thinking of too. Shit. <laughs> well, what do you? What about uh Peter and what about Pettigrew and, and so, Lupin? Who do you? Peter do you Pettigrew. Got? Man, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I really did, for Peter Pettigrew, my very first thought was Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Steve Buscemi would be a good one. And then I thought, uh, but he's like, what, like 103? Is he? I don't know. Oh, he's not really uh, Steve, Steve Buscemi? Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's really like 75. He's not 103. He's he's not young, for sure. Uh, so for Peter Pettigrew, I know I said this actor in a previous episode... Uh, but I think that it would still fit uh, really, really super well, actually. And that is uh, Nick Frost. Oh, yeah. He, he could pull a double or triple duty. He could be Hagrid. He could be Pettigrew. He could be a lot of things. Um, that that could be fun. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not hating that pick. I picked Shy just because I, I thought that would be, you know, funny if it was revealed that, you know, 
he was the rat the whole time. <laughs> uh, for Sirius Black. Well, you said Oscar Isaac. I, I did say Oscar Isaac. Um, I want to I want to recant just slightly. Not that I think that this is necessarily a better actor, but just a different actor that could do it. Michael Sheen. That's crazy. He should not be in the Harry Potter franchise at all, and I'm not going to talk about him in 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what about your Lupin? So for Lupin, I went with David Wenham. Hmm. Give me some roles. That name's not ringing. Oh, uh, so David Wenham, you would know as Faramir in the Lord of the oh. Rings franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Uh, I think that he he's got he's got that that Lupin look to him, and I think that he he can have that that kind of warm interaction that you see between him and Harry, but he can also be fierce and cunning, uh, like you see, uh, you know, up against. Uh, Peter Pettigrew and, and even against uh, Snape. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting pick. So, who were your um, older picks for? Those so, roles? yeah, here's 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 Money in the Bank. This is I think you'll support this here. Uh, for for Peter Pettigrew, I have Sam Rockwell. Oh yeah, he would be so much fun, and you could totally see him being goofy, but also being someone who'd be kind of weasels way out of things and like betray yeah. people if that if he could get ahead 100 um, percent. for remus lupin i have michael sheen <laughs> who, who you may who, who very apt listeners may recall from a few moments ago uh, <laughs> when you were talking about him for serious black but for serious black i have david tennant Oh yeah, I mean it's hard to have Michael Sheen without David Tennant and vice versa. Not so. only, not only, what a great pair because we've already seen that you know three, two or three times, but I love when like when Tennant goes dark. Oh yeah, and he's he could be so menacing. I love it, and but I also love the fact that he could just on a, just you know just turn, instantly turn. pull it back. Yeah, and then he's just a heartfelt, and it's great. And so, in the and the speeches, my God, you know, between the two of them, you know, the the <laughs> scenes that they could have, the chemistry there, like I just, it just was too perfect for me. I, I just loved it, even though they're like, you know, right in that fifty range and a bit old. Whatever, you know, we'll see if we can make it work. See they can, I, they can skew young, and yeah, you can youngify anybody. Look, look at uh, uh, the 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 movie that was just out. Uh, for the for the Oscars, the Harry Potter. No, not Harry Potter. Uh, the Al Pacino and uh Robert De Niro. No, that you're thinking of. You're thinking of Planet of the Apes, where they do all the CGI. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right. The technology may be there. Um, I think it's a little more with with uh that Irishman. I think it's called right that Irishman. Yes, the, that Irishman. <laughs> Um, I think that <laughs> analyze of, that Irishman. <laughs> there's the uncanny valley aspect of that was a a bit touch and go at times. Um, I mean, but yeah, you're right. The de aging, who knows? If they Plus didn't linger youthful. too long, I think you could get away with it. Yeah. So, so we're in this Harry Potter world. 
I mean, obviously we're doing amazing recasting. Things are going great. And we've hit the end of this trilogy of, of the first three movies and things are going to get progress- progressively more serious from here. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to that you know is coming that like that you're excited to see play out like or like I'm just kind of curious because for me this is exciting I've not ever you know just watched all these movies in a row and now I'm starting to get a little bit ramped up and be like yeah now I'm ready for things to get dark a little twisted and get some more some more lore and some more you know you know what what's really going on here under the surface and this is no longer just a kid's game that there's some you know some real heft here Right. The stakes are constantly getting higher. I mean, obviously, like, it's very easy to say the end game with the the Battle of Hogwarts and stuff like that. But even well before that, like, we have so much stuff coming up. You have the Goblet of Fire and the games that are that are, you know, part and parcel to that. Uh, you have uh the sort of the the intrigue and the the espionage that goes on in order of the phoenix and uh you know the 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 interesting and and incredible characters that get introduced all through those uh so i yeah i mean that's there's so much to to think about over the next few weeks like what we're going to be watching and experiencing so one thing that um i have to bring up and again i'm all over the place uh again just a little uh take you behind the scenes a bit here uh between anthony and i we've recorded around four or five or six or seven or eight podcasts today um or (laughs) maybe less than that but it feels like a lot more we've been all over the place and busy so my brain is just scattershot all over but between the the recording and the drinking it's been yeah (laughs) And it's don't been forget a, it's been some time. Don't forget the recording. Yes. Um there was a, a a phenomenon that burst onto the scene back in the early 2000s. Uh it's a band. It's a band called Harry and the Potters. Shut up. No. And I I could embarrass myself by singing songs from them right now. Um, they're fun. They're kind of catchy. They used to put on concerts at like libraries. Stuff. Um, in fact, now if you want to pull up, uh, we could play a song so I can get your reaction because I, I want to play a, a clip from one of their songs. There are numerous songs here. I am a wizard. Hermione's army. Uh, Where's Ron? My goodness, um, what song say, in particular are you thinking of? Well, Save Ginny Weasley would have been great last week. Because um, <laughs> it's about that. I'm trying to insert Wizard Chess earlier on. My teacher's a werewolf. My teacher is a werewolf. My teacher is a werewolf. He's liable to bite someone in class. That would be so bad he's been locked inside the shrieking shack but he's the best dark arts teacher we've had my teacher is a werewolf (laughs) (laughs) but you know it, it brings up so that I want to talk real quick, everyone, about the the music that you heard as we were coming back in. Uh, 
talking about how Lupin is the best dark arts teacher to ever grace the halls of Hogwarts. Uh, it's a hundred percent true. Uh, in that he's the only one who didn't die or get his memory wiped. Is that, well, I guess ultimately. Cause I mean, I mean, I, I don't remember who they replaced him with, but Mad Eye Moody. Oh, was it Moody? So, uh, so prior to Lupin, we, the only dark arts teachers we have either die or have their memory swipes. So I mean, it is a cursed position, you know. So what yeah, do you do? it's dark arts. So well, did you? Uh, do you have any last questions for us on this fateful day? You know, I don't. I feel like we've asked uh, each other numerous wonderful questions about these movies so far. I I know that we have a lot to look forward to, and I know that we teased something up the top of the show. Uh, that I'm going to address right now before we finish out. Uh, John had mentioned that there may be some kind of prize or giveaway, and we talked it over. Magical giveaway. Magical giveaway might be correct. Uh, So magical in the sense that they are items associated with magical individuals, and those magical individuals would be Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, and Ron Weasley. Uh, it's a set of three Funko Pops of the uh, the aforementioned characters. Uh, so we're going to be giving those away uh, on the final episode of our Harry Potter uh, anthology series. We're going to give you details on Facebook and Twitter on how to sign up for those and get included and possibly win those cool Funko pops. And I'll, I'll share a link as well to the exact set that I'm talking about, but it's on its way here. So uh, pay attention, be on the lookout for those instructions on how to win. Uh, But that's our show, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to us each and every week as we distill another favorite from our past. Uh, Join us each and every Monday and hang out with us while we watch right now, the Harry Potter series, but all those movies that we grew up watching together. I mean, what else can I say after that except to remind you all that the song in our podcast that is not the Harry and the Potter song is a different song called Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore, uh, something that you could do yourself a favor and check out and give their whole library a listen. Um, now, you're going to want to, as, as Anthony said, keep an eye on our Facebook page, Twitter, stuff like that, so you can see the details for the giveaway and get yourself entered and make that happen. But you also might want to just say hello uh, in a wizarding voice like I just did and email us at thememorydistillery at gmail.com. Or you might want to tweet us in a wizardy tweet voice at TMDpod. You could do it. Uh, That's also our Instagram handle. Um, Oh, yeah. And again, I keep saying this because it's a cool website. You should go to TMDpod.com and just frolic it's a great place to live um thanks again everyone we're looking forward to getting into the goblet of fire um that's going to be happening next week and i am the magical john deck and i am the muggle anthony verneri and this has been the memory distillery mischief managed and try.